Are you punk and disorderly? Or are you just happy to see me? This, this song's in my head. Welcome back for another episode of Songs in My Head, a podcast for music nerds, by music nerds. Uh, as always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, Kristen. Hello! Uh, and we are back for a late Saturday evening recording. Uh, we don't normally record this late, but that's fine. Technically it's Sunday morning. Yeah, technically it's Sunday morning, so fuck it. Um... I apologize in advance. Uh, I am a little bit <coughs> stuffed in the nasals right now. I know. Uh, so, excuse me for sniffling and, and such during the recording. Uh, anyway, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Stuffy. <coughs> um, been under the weather the last couple of days, but we're, we're, on, the, we're on the uptick. So. Is anyone really over the weather? I mean, I'm over the Listen, weather. Listen, I'm always over the weather. Is it is it the months between May and September? Because if that is the case, then yes, I am over the weather. Maybe that's the opposite of over the rainbow. Oh. Under the weather. Anyway. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, we figured we'd get back to, you know, just our old, old faithful format and uh, get into an album. And we thought that it would be appropriate to do this album considering that next weekend we are taking a little trip away for the weekend we are going to the punk and drublic festival at some sort of fairground in buttfuck nowhere ohio near columbus um very excited first of all to just get away for four days will be lovely uh but also because like it's gonna be a hell of a show uh very excited final no effects tour how are you feeling sad 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 yeah. it is sad um it's sad because i mean they've been my favorite as long as i've like had my own opinion about music sure like you know i mean and there's there's no denying that that NoFX has a very, very high importance in uh, the genre and has a lot of influence in everything, really. I mean... Honestly, I have other favorites, but I don't feel like there's any similarity in any band that I like. Right. Yeah, I mean, like... There's no comparison. Like, we're not going to undersell the fact that, like, we're also seeing Less Than Jake next weekend, which is going to be incredible, but... The star of the show is is no effects, and the fact that they are playing five albums in their entirety is what's even more impressive. So plus, I think a set. Yeah. Oh yeah. Plus a full set. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you know. Yeah, and I mean they are playing. You know, two of my favorite, two of the among my favorite albums. Those being. Oh, so long and things for all the shoes, and uh, Punk and Drublic. Which coincidentally. We are going to cover today. Hey. Yeah, so we figured, why not take a little dive into the album 
that is the namesake for the festival that we're going to. Um, and it's basically the album that made them famous. Absolutely. Absolutely. Famous, as famous as you can get as a punk rock band that does no promotion, <laughs> no radio hits, and all that. But, right. you know. So, this was their fifth studio album. Yes. Uh, it was released July 19th, 1994 on Epitaph, which we had a whole conversation about. Why Epitaph? Well, I mean, I know why Epitaph, but my confusion was, okay, they had a fat label. Why didn't they release it all in fat? But I guess, looking at the history, it seems that they were only, you know, probably doing... They were doing their EPs in, like, seven inches through fat. And I don't know if they were doing other full-length albums for other bands, but they did all their full lengths on Epitaph for till like 2000. Yeah. So this was this was on Epitaph. Um, it is their most successful album to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, peaked at number 12 on the Billboard Heat Seekers. Huh. Which uh, that's surprising. The the Billboard Top 10 Billboards <laughs> list. Um and it's their only gold record statewide or stateside. Um, now that means, obviously, in case you guys don't remember, when we—I know we've gone into this before in an episode—but to kind of recap, to get gold status on a record, you have to sell at least five hundred thousand copies, like in the United States. So. I mean that's no small feat. No, they're they're probably regular, regular size. size feet. Yeah, um, but they have sold over a million copies. Sold their feet. <laughs> ha! Oh boy. So they have sold how many? A mil- over a million copies worldwide. Wow. So that's quite quite a lot. The thing that I read in the one article, and I know I told you this while we were doing research, but <clears throat> somebody asked. Mike, where his gold record was hung, and he said he had like forty or fifty of them made, because you could just you know make them for a hundred and some dollars. He said like what, like a hundred and thirty bucks. He said they. Yeah, he's like, there's one at my house, my mom's, the dungeon. You know, if you don't know Fat Mike, he's really into you know. S and M. Yes, not the dungeons that we are into with dragons, but. I mean, look, <laughs> he might be into Dungeons and Dragons also. That's true. Maybe. I mean, probably not, but maybe. But anyway, yeah, I thought that was kind of funny. I didn't realize you can, like, make your own. Right. <laughs> but I guess, hey, whatever. Um, I mean, obviously, NoFX is is undeniably uh, influential to so many bands. Um, I mean, and I know that, like, when I was reading through this article, just a few that, that had major influences... Uh, Blink-182's Cheshire Cat, um, Unwritten Law, Oz Factor, uh, Lagwagon, Let's Talk About Feelings, uh, Some 41, All Killer, No Filler, Mm. and uh, Anti-Flag, The General Strike. General Strike Out. Um, Tell us how you really feel. (laughs) I will. No, I mean, mean, it's no secret, obviously. I mean, like, and I'm sure that a lot of these bands have come forward and, and said... I mean, I'm sure if you search through liner notes in in CDs, they've mentioned 
mm-hmm. no effects as an influence at some point or another. Yeah, and I mean, if you think, if you add in the influence that Mike has had with, you know, the Fat Label and getting a lot of bands, you yeah. know, into, um, you know, just basically into the scene. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like one that comes to mind, like, right out of the gate is uh, Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Mm-hmm. I feel like that band wouldn't, would be still playing small circuits if they had never... Oh, I thought you said we're going to say circuses. Yeah, small circuses. Um, (laughs) And when I say small circuses, I mean that all the animals are pygmy-sized. That would be adorable. It would be adorable. So, uh, I guess we'll just kind of go into... Unless you had anything else no, to No, no, not really. I mean, we've covered a, another NoFX album in our other episodes, so I don't think there's a lot we talk about, just the band in general, sure. without, you know, going into the songs. Um, but I think starting out with track one with Linoleum, that basically um, shows us the influence that they've had on other bands, because I don't even know how many covers there are, but Mike even talks about, like, the, the great number of co- cover songs that there were for Linoleum. Hundreds. <clears throat> yeah, and um, the one article I was reading, he was quoted saying, like, he was watching hundreds of bands from over 28 countries, mostly Indonesia. Yeah. Um, doing Linoleum was a humbling experience for me. So, like, they wound up doing Linoleum in, like, two years ago, maybe? 2021. Okay, with, so... With uh, Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, so, I mean, that song was basically about how Linoleum was so popular and they were, you know, not going to do it anymore, but it's kind of funny because, you know, they didn't... I think they were just having fun with it. Oh, right. Um, And I think that it was kind of Mike acknowledging that, like, you know, they are getting older, as is the song, and it was time to give the fans an update (laughs) with the elder punk rockers that they are. Yeah, but, I mean, I think... think, uh, talking about the amount of covers that there are for the song is, you know, a testament to what you were saying with them being influential. Yeah. Hundreds of bands covered it, at least. Um, but yeah. Hot take for a second. Sure. Let's see, let's see what you say about this, oh and I, I'm sure you're probably going to cringe at me, but I just it just was kind of a thought that popped in my head. Um, is linoleum to no effects as stairway to heaven is to led zeppelin okay so yes and no okay um in the mean uh in the like vein of popularity sure but if we're talking about like their masterpiece i mean that would be what i would say is led zeppelin's like it's their Bohemian Rhapsody, it's their, like, you know... Sure. That would be the decline. Okay. Especially since, you know... Sure. Thinking of... thinking, Let's compare them. Like, let's compare the decline with Stairway, with um, Black Parade, with um, Bohemian Rhapsody. They all have, like, multiple parts to the song. Sure. Like, different acts okay. to it, sort okay. of. So, yeah, I think... You can compare it to either. But Stairway, I think in popularity, yes. But in, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Has this maybe, Impact? Has this maybe jokingly become their free bird? <laughs> yes. Yes, I will say that. Um, but in Impact, I think. Sure. The decline would be more 
comfortable, especially because I was listening to that today and um, some of the Krista Makes episode where Mike was talking about it. Um, I didn't cringe at the question. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just was like one of those things where I was like, hmm, that's like an interesting comparison. Yeah, so the, the album opens with Linoleum. And I had to play it very loudly so you could hear the very few first seconds of the track. Because if you don't listen to it at a high volume, you won't hear El Jefe, like, yodeling or opera singing or something in the beginning. It almost sounds like he's... Voice. I was going to say, it almost sounds like he's just doing, like, opera warm-ups. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure of it. Like, he's just in the background real, real quietly, just, ah! But, like, just to hear that is ridiculous to, to hear. And then, of course, you know, to me, it's one of the most, like, iconic punk song openings that I've ever heard. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, I mean, it, it is relentlessly fast-paced through the whole song. I mean, it just, you get that opening guitar riff, and then you are, bam, right into it. And I know I've told you before that this is one of the first um, exposure the first exposure I've had to no effects, and I think that's what caught my attention so much, like the fast pace. Like, there's no time to be bored. Right. And now that I'm knowing more about how Mike uh, writes lyrics, you learn that, you know, this song doesn't have a chorus intentionally. And his reasoning is, well, you know, if your song has a chorus, you're singing it three times. You're going to be three times more tired of that song. Right. You know, if you sing it a hundred times, you're only hearing the chorus once. Right. So I was like, huh, that's pretty interesting. And to think about this song being like their most popular, to not have a chorus, to not rhyme as much as other, you know, songs would. Absolutely. No, and, and I, I think that it's it's very interesting that while it does sound like there should be a chorus in a part, mm-hmm. it never it never switches into that, like, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. It's almost like you get, like verse bridge yeah like where the the chorus is actually more like a bridge section than it is so like it actually like just sits kind of between the two verses yeah and i I think until i actually read that i didn't notice yeah it's interesting though um but I, i think that like the message behind this is definitely you know this is his exposure like a public exposure to the the lifestyle of a kind of vagabond punk rocker anarchist that oh, just yeah. kind of like crashes where he can and you know just kind of combs the beach for change and does busking to make a few bucks and yeah i read in one interview that it was actually written about mercury who we'll talk about later um, the friend of the band. Oh, really? Um, yeah, because, it, you know, I was reading that as a band, they were starting out, they often slept on the floor, and, like, they would be like, oh, there's a couch, there's this, but Mark would just be like, oh, the floor. Um, I also read, someone describe it as, a, like, a grim tale of punk rock life, but, like, with a positive spin, telling you that there's a great deal of joy in that lifestyle. Just, you know, making music, traveling around, seeing things. Yeah, I mean, it, it's very, like... Like, living that, like, low-profile lifestyle where you, you just, you're less about the stuff and more about the experience. Yeah, like an adventure. Like, it's not as much, yeah, yeah material thing keeping you down. Absolutely. Um, yeah, a few things that um, 
that I also noticed too is like in the lyrics, um, they talk about his dog named Bob, but live I believe it's dog named Dog, and I think that was the intention originally, but he said Bob when they were recording and it kind of stuck. So I know he goes back and forth between that. Um, yeah, the fact that there's no chorus still just blows me away. I know, right? It's it's crazy. Like they, I don't know the song for being as as like fast paced and straightforward of a song as it is. The fact that it doesn't have a chorus to like to like yeah. tie it together is just wild. Yeah, I feel like. But it's... like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's lacking. Oh no, I feel like the song. I mean, it's fast, short, and it's like over before you notice. Right. But I remember feeling like, whoa, what was that? Yeah. So, like, it just blew me away. The first, I don't know, hundred times I heard it. Like, I never got tired. I'm still not tired of it, honestly. Yeah, after... I mean, it's a it's a great song. Mm. Like, how many years? <laughs> 28, maybe? Um, so that goes right into the song Leave It Alone. Um, which is, I, I think, kind of... Kind of like a sarcastic jab at, like, people that just kind of go along with the status quo. Oh, yeah. Definitely. About the way people refuse to progress or enforce any change. They just want to go on with everything and leave it alone. Yeah. Um, the, the reference that I, I dove into briefly was uh, bringing in the sheaves, bringing in the old, uh, was a reference to... Uh, a, a hymn, or a, I guess a gospel song, called Bringing in the Sheaves, written in 1874 by uh, Knowles Shaw, uh, who was an American gospel writer. Um, and it, it was strongly associated with uh, Protestant Christians, even though both Melvin and Fat Mike are Jewish. Mm. Um, but I think that if you look at it, uh, it's a little... Using that line in there is a very, very uh, interest-peaking kind of line because it almost is like the the calling the calling the slave to a master kind of line because, like, the sheaves were bunches of, of, like, cereal crop stems that were banded together after reaping the harvest. And the whole hymn is about collecting the sheaves and bringing them to like the head of the farm and even after all the the hard work and suffering there will be rejoicing in this and that and i was like oh okay yeah that has a lot of of weight when you put it against like people that are just sheeple yeah I mean, it, honestly you know you if you think about it that way, I mean, you're doing this reaping and rejoicing, but then you're doing the same reaping the next day. Right. And the next day. Right. So it's just a cycle of, of reaping and... Yeah, and, and it's only reaping for somebody else's gain. Yeah, I mean, the message I got from this was basically that it's easy to conform to what everyone else wants you to do, but the song is basically telling you to do your own thing. Right. Um... I mean, it was, there was, like, metaphors about, like, you wouldn't want to break the eggs as you walk, which is, like, you know, you got to walk on eggshells. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it has a lot of imagery Absolutely. with that. 
um, along with that, you know, catchy da na 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 part right. at the end that I was like, somebody compared it to, you know, Blink-182, and you're like, oh, yeah, it's in... It's my age again? Yeah. Okay. Of yeah, course, I, I can't hear a song in my head while, while I'm listening, listening to another song. Right. So you had to, you know, you had to demonstrate, but... And then you were like, oh, huh. Yeah, I definitely hear it, though. Yeah. So this one, this one's catchy. I think it was a great um, way to transition from Linoleum right into this one. Yeah, absolutely. And it's another fast pace. Just keeps it going. Absolutely. Just keeping keeping the the driving driving tone of the album going. Yeah, I think the next song too it goes right into Dig, which is the third track, and that's like kind of an interesting um, transition from like what you were talking about the, with the the reaping and the sheaves and everything because it talks about you know how capitalism is a never ending machine that only worries about profits and how it's destroyed like civilizations, but it helps other other civilizations like capitalize on that right right yeah um it's like really heavy when you think about it but like it's not one that i ever noticed until i read the lyrics and everything the part that got me real bad was like the part about the the arrowheads went straight to the smithsonian like talking about how things are taken from native americans like that and i'm just like whoa right <laughs> right yeah uh, it, it, I, the imagery uh, you know, utilizing the the imagery of of capitalism digging in their claws into everything and anything. And as long as the machine keeps running fine, all the Henry Ford tradition preys on idle minds left the emergency brake on too long. That got me too, knowing that everything that I I've like learned about like you know, the, um, God, I shouldn't record after midnight. Oh, after in, like learn about industry in this area and everything yeah it, it, it makes sense it does honestly <sighs> but yeah it's like <laughs> the part that got me too was like you know don't talk to me we'll get along just fine and that kind of makes me think too like mike's you know outspoken about like what he believes right and i feel like more and more there's a lot of people that you can't it, you get along with fine if you don't actually talk about anything important yeah because these days i think people are so there's 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 no gray area anymore it's all black and white absolutely Everybody just keeps dividing so you know don't talk to me we'll get along just fine otherwise right <laughs> otherwise <laughs> otherwise no, no thanks yeah so i mean there's a lot of depth to this song that i didn't didn't realize at first absolutely and i think it lies in like really really subtle imagery oh yeah which i i think that's what drew, drew me in a lot of times with you know, Mike's songwriting and, and lyrics. I mean, I could go on about Mike, like, all day. But, you know, it's smart. Yeah, it is. It's, it's smart. There's lots of play on words. There's lots of, like, layering to it that you wouldn't, you know, notice right away. Yeah. A lot of references. It just keeps it interesting. It does. So, uh, that song is followed up by the cause which is, is it's just really a straightforward song about like you're making music just because you want to make music right like it's just because it's, you're just doing the damn thing I, I feel like there's not 
there's not too much more to read into when it you... It isn't for the money, you know? I mean, and it's obvious that, like, that's definitely a mantra that that they, as a band, have had forever, is that they've they've never been in it for for fame and money. They just want... Success, yeah, they just want to make music and have fun and... yeah. And, and it shows, honestly. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And I think it's a good placement on here because it's kind of more lighthearted with it, with still having a message. Yeah. But it's more about, you know, like specifically like their industry. So it's not as heavy as the others, but along the lines. Oh, you mean like the next one? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a very heavy lyrics wrapped up in a fun package I guess why don't you tell us what this next song is called alright the next song is Don't Call Me White which I gotta say is one of the most fun songs to sing live and you'll see but um, it's no secret in Mike's songwriting that he's Jewish too. Yeah. you know if you've listened to the White Trash Two Heaps and a Bean album you know that describes the band he's one of the heaps right <laughs> um, yeah so it I was reading that it like serves as a parallel to like anti-racist songs and other genres specifically like hip-hop and stuff but um has a lot of connotations to white things <laughs> yeah i mean specifically i kind of took it as a it's kind of him saying like don't lump me in with like white white like oh because he hate yeah like white collar you know stuffy white people white mm -hmm. white like don't don't do that right yeah i understand that language breeds stereotype but what's the explanation for the malice for the spite don't call me white yeah i mean basically saying like don't call me white because those people are fucking ordinary white right and i mean we've talked about this before yeah, you know, fucking white people, though. <laughs> As a white person, yeah. Yeah. Like, it never... Yeah, I Never mean, fails to, to shock me on what people do. Like, the audacity. Right. <laughs> but yeah, his connotations. The white... The soap shoved in your mouth to cleanse your mind. The vast majority of sheep, a button collar, starched and bleached. You know. It's like, there's all these white things. But it's like the white color the sheep people aren't thinking for themselves i also read part of uh this little kind of side notation that there was an article that was released i think it was 98 um that was about like after world war ii um when like jewish people immigrated to the united states how they weren't treated like people mm. like they weren't they were still seen as foreigners even though their skin color was the same and yeah. it was just like the struggle with that i mean and obviously like you know there that i'm not discounting uh you know any any marginalized group you know for for saying from saying that but like it's just one example of that. Oh yeah. Um, and and Mike even said uh, in something that I read that like, um, you know, it's almost kind of like he's saying, 
we're not responsible for for bringing people here as I, I am not responsible for bringing people here as slaves mm-hmm. so don't lump me in with those people or that he's yeah I've always seen it as like he's a person who wants change and wants yeah you know more equality and you know wants everybody to have a voice and stuff like that absolutely and that's basically what I've always thought you know go ahead and label, go ahead and label me an asshole because I can accept responsibility for what I've done but not for who I am yeah you know, he doesn't want to be white because the connotation of white is not great. Not great. Um, and then my favorite fun fact that I read was that when they released this as a single mm-hmm. on seven inch, they released it on white vinyl, which I just thought was like the fucking chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like you were saying, you know, in the in the earlier fat days they were very much uh heavy into colored vinyl before colored vinyl was really really popular oh yeah i don't know if it was maybe because they did so many like seven inches that it was probably a little cheaper to like i don't know um the one thing that i also read too is that there was a cover of this done by a spanish band or mexican a spanish punk band called the avalots was kind of like no m I can't, I don't know Spanish, but it's basically the, the Spanish version of Don't Call Me White, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> That's great. I love that. But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a great song. The message is great. Although I think if you just listen to the title or whatever you think, you think it's one thing, but if, it's really. Yeah. I mean, and you think it's one thing and then you start listening to it and you're like, oh, Okay. Yeah, and I mean, with all the, like, racist shit and everything these days, I'm embarrassed to be white a oh lot of times. God. Because, it's, like, the audacity, I just... It's it's ridiculous. So, yeah. We go from that heavy topic wrapped up in a, you know, silly pop-punk package to My Heart is Yearning, track six. Um, we were blessed with one of Hefe's, you know, novelty songs. He does all the, the voices and the silly um, impressions and things that, that are in the songs. Um, I read it was accompanied by brilliant reggae and ska music. Oh, and it was. I mean, But like, the topic, I'll let you take this part. Of course. Uh, so the topic is, you know, two people strongly sexually attracted to each other. They get it on and they get a VD. Next thing you know, his dick is burning. Right? Right? I mean, and it's, like, very clearly laid out lyrically. So, so beautifully. Like, four lines, not yeah. even. Oh, yeah. Like two two I think long it, lines. Yeah, I think it's two very long, <laughs> very long lines. With that, like, silly operatic voice. Short. Love to it. To the point. I love it. It's I, I, It's so funny. It's a great, I want to say, like, I don't want to say palate cleanser, but it's a great follow-up to, like... Don't Call Me White and all the serious topics that they've had up now. I'm not saying that, like, VD is not serious, but, like, in comparison to... No, but it's kind of like... Tension and it's kind of like when you are, <laughs> are doing really heavy stuff and then you have that, like, ha-ha, pee-pee-poo-poo kind of song. I was just thinking pee-pee-poo-poo. That's right so in the middle there. Like, like you have to, you have, to have that, mm-hmm. I think. You know, you have to have that, like, breath. Yeah, and it's, it's funny. Well, unless you're bad religion, then you don't. And then you just keep, you just keep going. You just keep They're marching. Intense. Yes. It's just all intense. Yes, all, all intense and p- 
purposes. All in tents and cabins. <laughs> so I think it's a good reason that they did that song right here, because then the next song is actually a cover. Which, which I didn't really realize until today. Okay, and it listen, it's not that bad. No, I know. I I liked it. I listened to it. I wasn't disappointed. It was it was that there the cover version. I wasn't disappointed in the cover version. I guess I was disappointed that it was a cover version. However, it's not really a cover version. It's per like se. if it's like if a person adjacent to the. I mean, it is basically a person adjacent to the band, their song, then the band is covering it. I mean, Mark Curry is not a member of the band, but he was a friend of the band. He was in that book like crazy. Um. Um. Wait, hold on. I may uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this. Maybe I just I, I just came up with a good comparison. Um, what is it 1985? The song 1985 okay, by yeah. Bowling for Soup uh, was originally recorded by American Hi-Fi. I think. Like I think Jared Reddick wrote it for them. Okay. And then they also recorded it. Okay. But I think that American Hi-Fi's version came out first. And they okay. just, like, tweaked a couple of the lyrics or something. Well, yeah. Yeah, I think it was something... Yeah, similar. Yeah, so Mark Curry was... Um, his band is where he played with LFA. So I guess, you know, that's kind of the connection. Um, so his song is more... His version's more of a folk style, I guess. I would call it, like... This is gonna. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't want to sound like stupid making up, making up Wikipedia, uh, or music genres, but folk punk, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, it's it's called Perfect Government. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's just a big fuck you, like. Definitely, and I believe that I read that he he sang on this track too, like. Yeah. In the song. But basically, <laughs> you said in the first however many seconds you've never heard them. You never heard that the f bomb so many times. <laughs> right. They they said fuck like four times in the first fifteen seconds of the song, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, and the music it sounds almost like utopian and like like well, the guitar music. Okay, well, because if yeah. you really think about it, now that you know yeah. that it's a cover and you've heard the original. Mm -hmm. That's what makes it even better. Now that I also like listen to it, I was like, "Oh, okay, I see what they were trying to do." It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, now. absolutely. Yeah, but I mean, I I love this song. It's short. It's to the point. Basically, you know, what's your definition of freedom? <laughs> even if it's easy to be free, what's your definition of freedom? And then it just goes into the f bombs about the government protecting the rich, denying the poor. Um, people not even knowing what freedom means. My favorite line is, how did the cat get so fat? <laughs> oh, I was incorrect on the band. It wasn't American Hi-Fi. It was SR-71. Okay. So it was written and recorded by SR-71. And then the front man gave the song to Bowling for Soup. Okay. Uh, I don't... I don't know why. But okay, sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, Mark Curry and Hefe were in a band together. Correct. 
Uh, where did I wrote it down? Oh, it had a weird name. Yeah, uh, Crystal Sphere. <laughs> uh, definitely an 80s band, for sure. <laughs> it had that vibe to it. Um, this is another example of, like, that this was written in 1994. Or actually written in 1992. That's when the original which Mark is Curry the, version. Right. And it still applies even more now. Yeah. How can they sleep at night? Yeah. I just want you to know that my notes, the way I wrote them, it looks like I'm, I was writing, like, a bad religion song. Oh. So I, I wrote, uh, fuck the government and their lies. Rich get richer, poor get poorer. Everyone is so quick to point a finger, but not be part of a solution or be accountable for themselves. Like, we, we, we put that to music, we have a hit. I was just going to say, you know, send Put it, it to music, send it in. <laughs> put it down, write it down. Next song. No, but it, I, I, I think it's a good cover. I think it's a great song. And I think it's a very, it's a very poignant topic. I think it's a very important song. Um, and I wish that more people would listen to it and actually, like, take the advice in it. Well, which is like stop sitting on your asses and helping the rich get richer and marginalizing the poor and stop driving the the country that was once one of the strongest nations in the world into the ground even further by being racist bigots homophobes by being, by being a white by, by being white <laughs> it's just this is like the epitome of why I like No Effects as a band, though, is because they have such a message wrapped up in just a fast-paced, silly-sounding song. Well, and here's the reason why I love No Effects: the the these two songs, actually these three songs in a row, perfect example, because you've got. A very serious topic about not wanting to be lumped into white people mm -hmm. and then pee pee poo poo my dick hurts and then fuck the government that's kind of how their shows are too yeah <laughs> yeah it's hilarious and it but it works it does it's perfect it does i feel like there's just enough lightheartedness that makes them genuine yeah because honestly, like, I'm not saying anything bad about, about, about bad religion, but like, oh, there are political bands that that's the only message that they have. Like, I feel like it's, it's, it's overdone to me. Sure. But I feel like the, the novelty of a lot of their music and just the fact that not every song is the same. Yeah. It goes into one of my favorite songs from here, and Same. I know you love this one too. Same, I, I, I absolutely love this song. It, it's called "The Bruise." Do you know it took me um, quite a long time to realize why the bruise? <laughs> he Short for yes, I know, yeah. but yeah, it's the beers. <laughs> uh, first of all, uh, I I actually wrote in my notes. Uh, it's just doing Jewish things with your Jewish friends, because that's literally what the whole song is. Or an obvious Jewish, shell, Jewish song. Yeah, oh yeah. But, like, I love the, the use of, like, Yiddish words it, without within the song to, like, describe what's going on. Oh yeah, they're gonna drink, they're gonna raise hell, you know, as long as they're home by Saturday morning. 
Because the good Jewish boys go to the synagogue on Saturday morning. Doesn't matter what they did before. Right. Doesn't matter that they were terrorizing the goyim and the stomping <laughs> shickets and screwing shikses. <laughs> I'm terrible at uh, any sort of words that... Shiskas. Girlfriends. Yeah. Yeah, you know that? Yeah. <laughs> the non-Jewish women, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. I only know Shiska because yeah. of a Say Anything Say Anything song. I think we talked about that in one of the Yeah, cuz Ma- playlist. Yeah, I think so. Cuz Max Bemis is Jewish, I believe. Mm-hmm. If he's not, that's a very interesting choice for I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, a lot of the lyrics though is kind of like fun. Oh yeah. Because it's it sings that whole verse and the the chorus is the the oi oi where the boys or the bruise, you know, like that's... It's it's very Dropkick Murphys to me. Oh, yeah. Which is why I think why I connect with it so much. But I, I love that it's like, you know, sporting, like, anti-swastika tattoos and, you know, like, just drinking Manischewitz and... Yeah, and if you, if you compare, like... I hate subgenres. But, like... The oi subgenre of punk. Yeah, I hate that. That's like a like a thing, but you know that it's associated with like skinhead sub- subculture and stuff. So this is like very anti skinhead. Absolutely, which is great. They they wrote a an oi song that was anti oi song. Yeah, because it has a reputation for like being racist and am I anti anti semitic? Yeah, there it is. Semitism. That's close. Yeah, we got it. We got okay, there. Anyway, um, but yeah, I I uh, I just love just love the 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 camaraderie. Yeah, I did. A it bunch almost of... it almost gives me the uh, like boys are back in town. Oh yeah, kind of vibe. I didn't realize like how little I actually knew Yiddish or Jewish subculture or anything because I had to Google a lot of this, but. Um, Ooh, wait, hit me. Let's see if I can get some of them. Okay. Um, the Goyim. It's the Goyim. It's the Goyals. It's the ladies. No, they're not. Just non-Jews. Non-Jews? Yeah. Interesting. Gentiles. Um, the Shaggits and the Shikses. You said girlfriends, but you're close. They're non-Jew males, non-Jew women. Gotcha. Okay. Um, oh, this isn't this isn't a quiz part, but like, there's a... a Line in there that says the Fairfax Ghetto Boys Skinhead Hebrews. Fairfax District is a historically Jewish, Jewish district in yeah. the central LA where after World War II, a bunch of you know Jewish immigrants settled there. So, like, brought a lot of their culture. So, there's a lot of you know Jewish people in that area. Um, Meshuganus. Meshugana was a crazy person, right? Got it. Yeah, you just turn me madman or lunatic. Yeah. Um, they talk about how they're the chosen ones, which is, you know, the Jewish people are often referred to as chosen people, even in the Bible. Yeah. I can't remember the book. Um, the word that I can't pronounce, the chutzpah. Oh, chutzpah. <laughs> yeah, thank you. You got a lot of chutzpah. You got a lot of audacity. Right. Right, yeah. It's, it's a, a lot of balls on that kid. A lot of yeah. chutzpah. And what I read about here, this is usually like a quality by the Jewish culture that's seen as something that's negative, 
but like the younger generation is seeing it as more of a it's not necessarily audacity to them but like what's a word that doesn't sound as negative but sort of means the same yeah thing. a lot of gusto yeah yeah like they they use it like a lot of gumption yeah the balls yeah you got you got the balls <laughs> got the matzo balls <laughs> god you got some real matzo balls on you kid yeah but so i took a you know, little side little side uh quest about them you know we'll celebrate we'll separate our milk plates from our meat not to be confused with milk, milk steak. steak yeah i don't know um, and we took that that journey together with the milk steak and rum ham from always sunny but yeah that refers to like the jewish practice that is uh related to the dietary laws from interpreting like the verses of the torah the yeah, milk the, plate is either like the dairy products plate that shouldn't touch the meats that are consumed or like the separate set of dishes and silverware that they have yeah that's that it's like the whole theory of like kosher yeah yeah because like they'll actually have in a kitchen they'll have two right. completely separate counter areas where all of that stuff is prepared yeah well, i was confused though because like you know dairy basically comes from a cow and like i would want to keep the cow stuff together <laughs> and the chickens and the eggs together <laughs> but i guess in my brain i'm categorizing like I don't know. Anyway, um, one of the favorite parts was the Hefe line where he says, "Come on, you schmucks, one time for one more time for Herschel," um, which I didn't know was him until today. But of course, not surprised. Right. He's got so many, so many impressions. And you can hear that in the hidden track. We'll get to that, yeah. And we'll get there. <laughs> but yeah, great song. Lots of lots of lingo to learn. Yeah, if, if you want a good a good Yiddish lesson, catchy as fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Also fun live. I can't wait till you get to hear. Uh, it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear this one live. People go absolutely crazy. Good. So you you, you follow up the bruise with the cross. I don't understand the song. So I mean, it's just just instrumental sort of. I mean, you hear, like, <laughs> like, you hear them singing, but not really. But, like, not really. It's, like, not really a word. But, like, it is a word. But, like, what is quas? So, I have a couple, well, I mean, the only thing I found was it could be kvas, which is Russian, I guess, for a thin sour beer made by pouring warm water on rye and barley, letting it ferment. Sure. Sure. Maybe. But, um, the other interesting thing is, when they reissued the vinyl, they called it quaset borscht. With like the little double dots over the A and the O, but I can't figure out what it means, because it was called Quas on the original CD that I have. Weird. And the vinyl that I have that's not a repress from the twentieth anniversary or whatever they did. Weird. Yeah, real weird. That is weird. But yeah, short song, and it kind of just serves as an intro to the next song. Yes, which is. Dying degree. Not Diane degree. <laughs> yeah, not Diane degree. No, it's dying degree. Um, it's literally just a song uh, about an old man turned, turned 98. ninety-eight and he won the lottery and he died the next. No, it's a it's a song about somebody that scrounged and saved and didn't enjoy life and didn't let the people around him enjoy life. Uh, because they just kept saving and saving and saving until the day they died and they never got to enjoy it themselves. I'm not sure why I pictured this person as a woman, but maybe it was sounding like a Diane or something in in the song that just 
gave me the impression of this little old lady with coupons in her purse. But I don't like, know. you know, all that happens and then they save up all this money and then they die. It's ironic, don't you think? Final payment had you forgot the rightful owner of one deluxe cemetery plot. That got me, and then this is what dreams are made of. Adding up, subtracting down, you find yourself sucking the rind. Ooh. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just like... Oof. Oof. Like, don't... I guess the message on this one is like, enjoy it while you can enjoy it. Right. Right, and... Learning what I know about, like, Mike and his family and stuff, and we'll talk about it later, um... In another song where he mentioned something about his mother wanting him to, uh... What do you mean in the next song? It's the next song? Oh, yeah. You, you ready to get into that one? Sure. Oh, sure. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so the next song is Fleas. Um, and it's a thousand percent about Mike's parents. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the first part of it, you get the, the kind of standpoint from Dad, where you, you get the... You sleep with dogs the next day you'll wake at midnight scratching those inevitable fleas which is basically you know you run with the wrong crowd you suffer the consequences your heart yearns and your dick burns yep <laughs> but yeah it was I, I read that too like his his father always told him if he hung out with the wrong crowd he would wind up suffering but he thrived in the punk rock life but and then everything. in the second portion of of it it's more where his mother was like you know I just want you to to live a good life and you know grow up and be successful and because I guess it was a kind of a broken home uh, his parents had Very. divorced and so he lived most of the time with his mother who had very little money and couldn't give a lot for him and just wanted him to have the best that he could have I think it's interesting too because like once you listen to more of you know Mike's songs there's so much about his parents as time goes on so like this is early yeah this is probably one of the earlier ones I remember him mentioning his parents but I mean there's so much later um yeah the part that I was um thought was impactful was the part where he said like you know when he said it said this you know, the thing about the sleep with dogs and wake up scratching from fleas he said I never felt the itch I never would my mother had forbidden me to waste away my life. I want you to have all the things I can never buy you. So she wanted him to get a stable job and be normal to buy things that she couldn't buy him to follow what I say and not what I've done. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of NFU to his parents. Like, hey, I got somewhere. Not listening to your advice. But not in a, ma a bad way. No. But then what's interesting is... Uh, you go from that song mm -hmm. to the next song. Oh man, the song. And it almost is like a continuation of that like, don't run with the wrong crowd and Mike is just like, I'll do what I want. So the next song is Lori Myers. Um, and I, I like it too because it's for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it a call and response kind of song because in the in verse one you've got young Mike who is experiencing his sexual awakening with a friend of the family that lives upstairs 
and you know he's discovering. We play forbidden games. All the forbidden games. And I always thought that was one with too many pieces. Like you know, my mom, my parents never want me playing Monopoly because it was too much of a mess. All the hotels and stuff they would just bag up. Mousetrap. It's actually mousetrap. Oh, mousetrap's the worst. Awful. You spend all this time setting up for absolutely nothing. The guy never lands in the tub. No. Mm-mm. Never. Forbidden games. Forbidden games. But yeah, it's it's him initially having his sexual awakening with this this girl that lives upstairs that is a sex worker and then you get to verse two which uh the guest vocalist who is singing as laurie myers is uh kim shattuck from the muffs mm-hmm. and um i it's really just like she's like unapologetically just defending her career choice mm-hmm. saying that like she doesn't want to be saved and she doesn't want to go back to what she was doing before. She's now her own boss, and she doesn't need her Prince Charming, because she's about to make 50k this year, and get fucked. Like The message here that um, I was reading in one of the, the articles or reviews that I read was, like, the main character, like, thinks he needs to save her from the degradation of being a porn star... But she's saying that the real degradation was working in the factory and working for someone else and slaving away. Yeah. Which is just kind of eye-opening. Yeah. Um, that she would rather... Which, I mean, cool. Like, do your thing. And sex work is real work. Yeah, obviously. Pro-sex work anthem. The Hell perfect. Yeah. This definitely um, is pro-sex work anthem. But, yeah, I think that, you know, Kim's vocals, perfect. Oh, yeah. She's the perfect, like, Lori in the song absolutely um i didn't realize she had died but um the one thing i love about this song live is that other people have played Lori. um i was trying to remember who had played that part when i've seen it live and i couldn't but when i looked most recently on stacy d from bad cop bad cop did Lori's part so hopefully and when it was, we see it, it you played amazing, it and it was great so. amazing and her energy is just oh yeah um but on their live album that they did Sarah Sandin was um, the Lori which I didn't realize was Eric's wife I didn't realize that she was a musician as well so that was kind of cool um, but yeah I mean the message is just you know you think I sell my body but I merely sell my time and the part where she talks about you know she knows what degradation feels like because she felt it at the factory yeah I mean it's it's powerful oh yeah 50k I'll make this year we'll go anywhere I please what's the problem and like the fast music the outro all of it is oh yeah yeah I mean it's it, a it's, masterpiece honestly, it's an incredible in song yeah. yeah it's great and the placement is great yeah um funniest song title of the uh the whole album I think goes to this one the Jeff Forrest Birkenstocks um it it's funny to me that there's so many characters in the no effects like um, it's the no effects cinematic universe yes that's what I was looking for I was like in the universe you know this character is Jeff Jeff Abarta from Epitaph who you know friend of the, the band as well mm-hmm. um, basically Jeff doesn't fit the punk rock mold 
Um, he has got a tie-dye rancid shirt, but wears his Birkenstocks to work. Is he a jerk? No, he's just confused. Jeff, don't wear regular shoes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I read that Fat Mike thinks this is the worst song on the album, but of course, you know, and Mike's own critic is... Himself, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought it was funny that Birkenstock did a documentary, like a short documentary on Mike and Jeff, and I have to look this up now, because I, I didn't know. find out about this till the research, but I wrote it on my documentary list Perfect. to go back to. Um, but it's kind of funny, because Mike's always said he hate, hates hippies. Yeah. So... So, this this one has a, another layer for me. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie SLC Punk. It's been a long time. So, there's a character in SLC Punk uh, that they refer to as Hardcore Mike. Mm-hmm. And he's played by Jason Siegel. And he's uh, he's like the, f- the friend in the group that... He, he looks like a total nerd. Like, he shows up to shows and, like khakis and like like a nice like you know clean like polo shirt he has his glasses on and then like when the music kicks in he like takes his glasses off and hands it to his friend and he's like I'll be right back and then he just gets in the fucking pit and that's why they call him Hardcore Mike because he's not afraid to like get in there but by appearance you would never know that so I'm the Jeff because, you know, the girl, the cutesy stuff, you wouldn't know that I uh, love these awful songs. <laughs> yeah, so I, I... That's funny. Yeah, in reading, in reading the reference from this song, I definitely got that character uh, out of it. And, and in a way, it almost kind of makes me wonder if there was any correlation with the creating of that character you know in the music it'd be a weird thing to look up i mean i'm sure that there's not what year but the movie come out? slc punk that is a good question i'm trying to think because i know i saw maybe i didn't see the whole thing it was one of those that i wanted to watch again 98 yes okay well we'll have to watch it again Oh, yeah, Matthew Lillard. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so um, that's a good and interesting, like, perspective to it. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that was always, it's always been one of my favorite, like, music-related movies. And to hear this song, yeah. see what it's about, and then think about that character, I was right. like, whoa, okay. I thought it was funny, too, this is not related to the movie or whatever, but that it was... <laughs> I always like to know what video games that these songs are in, and this was in the NCAA Football 06 game. I love it. I love it. How? Like, what? So weird. <laughs> but yeah, great song. Lighthearted compared to all the others. But I mean, if you're thinking of the layer that you're saying, it's kind of a ju- don't judge book by its cover kind of thing. Absolutely. And I think... I don't know. I feel like... I feel like the punk scene has gotten more lenient where, you know, open-minded to, to different people and stuff. They're the friendliest shows I think I've been to. Absolutely. Um, so then you go into what I think is the most generic-sounding song title ever <laughs> after you have the best song title on the album. Uh, it's just called Punk Guy. And that was released as the flip side of uh, Don't Call Me White, right? Because yep. you said, oh, it's the most generic song ever. And I was like, yeah, but it's coming up. Um, 
to me, this was, we talked about this. I was like, oh, this reminds me of, you know, the Clark's Vincent because it just names all these people. But well, I mean, it is describing a like nondescript punk guy. Yeah. I, I, I kind of qualified this song as like the lead singer syndrome kind yeah. of song where you're like describing this this lead singer that Joe like every man <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love when people use john like q public john oh yeah john q that was my favorite before i was like i also i thought that was an actual person's i name. also like when you see uh paperwork and it like when it's showing you how to fill something out and it's just like john q sample and you're like okay mr sample thank you uh but yeah, just to go through the musicians that were referenced. But I love songs like this, honestly, with oh, reference after reference. Absolutely. That's my favorite. So you had, I'm sure that you probably wrote down oh, more yeah. about each one, but I'll, so we had Gigi Allen. Mm-hmm. Crazier than Gigi, who I knew of, but like when I was reading about like his live performances, include self-mutilation and attacking audience members. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> How can he be crazier than that? Crazier than Gigi. Um, Ian McKay. Yep. Frontman of Minor Threat. Bugazi. Mm-hmm. The next one made me laugh. Uh, teeth Like Johnny. Yeah, Color Teeth Like Johnny. Which I didn't know that, you know, Johnny Rotten's name was because... His... So... <laughs> they they made the reference to Johnny Rotten, but then in the next line, there was, there was a thing that I read that said that it was a possible reference to Sid Vicious also. Mm. Yeah, I read that Johnny Rotten was was John Lydon from Sex Pistols who was given the name in the 70s when lack of oral hygiene turned his teeth green. Cool. Yeah, but it exudes a vicious disposition, which I thought was Sid Vicious. Yeah. His hair sticks out like Collins did. Colin Jerwood. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Springer. I love to sing a about the moon and the June and the Springer. Just similar to Springer, yeah. Springer is David Spring from SSD, which is a straight edge hardcore band from Boston. But then in the in the second part of the song, they're describing this person, and he's got looks like Bronson, <laughs> or face is it face like Bronson? Got a face like Charles Bronson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then like, it goes into like the whole Green Bay. Straight out of Green Bay, Wisconsin. I love that you can rhyme something with Wisconsin. Bronson, Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that led me on a little tiny uh, side quest of, there's a band called Charles Bronson, like a punk band. And then you said, oh, well. There's also a. Criminal. A career criminal. Very famous career criminal in in Britain. I think his face probably isn't so great either. Charles Bronson, uh, who was actually, there was a, a. biopic movie made about him that starred Tom Hardy and boy was that movie a fucking treat <laughs> god um but I was like what is the um significance of Green Bay which led me to um they you know there's a history of punk rock there which you wouldn't really think no but honestly after watching that whole like Midwest mi- like what was it punk rock of the Twin Cities Oh, yeah. A documentary that doesn't surprise... Because that's where Husker Du came from. Husker Du. Husker Du, we can too. <laughs> yeah, well, I was looking um, at this, and there's like a Kickstarter for a, a documentary um, called... Oh, 
what was it? Green bleh. Yeah. Bleh something. Yeah. That I was like, oh, that looks like it'd be pretty interesting. Because they're talking about, like, not only the history of bands that originated there, but how it became, like, a stopping point for the Midwest for bands to come through. Like, all the, you know, big punk bands. I mean, again, in the same the same vein as Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. But I think then, then your favorite... Your favorite reference, I think, is coming up. Uh, yeah, the uh, Punk and Disorderly, mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a punk compilation from 1982. Great title, honestly. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I would say, easily, if if this album wasn't called Punk and Drublick, Punk and Disorderly would also be a solid, solid name for this album. <clears throat> Definitely. Alright, so the next song, uh, again, we're back to another extremely <laughs> generic song title. Because he's just a hap, hap, hap big guy. But no. <laughs> but uh, actually, I think he's brainwashed. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> it's a song about a guy that um, basically leaves behind all of his beliefs in fact and science and joins some sort of fundamentalist religion. I took a little bit of offense to the line that said he's not a scientist, he programs a computer. Right? Because, like, computer science? Yeah. Have you heard of it? Right. (laughs) I mean, honestly, being a programmer myself, I'm quite scientific and I don't think I would fall for this religious hoo-ha. (laughs) Hoo-ha! The Al Pacino now? Hoo-ha! But, like... Again, another, you know, serious lyrical layer on underneath this, like, kind of silly, like, light music. Yeah. Yeah, man, that converts to fundamentalist religion and the relief that he finds, but how could he turn his back on reason? Worshipping a god, finding truth through through fear and mind control. Tell me how Mike feels about religion. (laughs) Right. Which is interesting, because, you know, Jewish, he's Jewish, but that's more of his heritage, I guess, than yeah. a religion. Right. Uh, absolutely. His hopes may be false, but his happiness is real. That's the one I was like. Yikes. But yeah, a good song, and a good transition, I think, from Punk Eye into the next song, which, my God, there's a message. Whew. Didn't expect it. No, I didn't either. Unexpected message. Because when I first listened to it, and then like started reading through the lyrics and everything, uh, the song's called Rico, by the way, R E E K O. Um, it like you you start off and you're you're at a party and it seems like it's been going on too long and everybody's kind of bored with it and. The, the keg is empty. X-lax in the dog bowl. Yeah, there's X-lax in the dog bowl. That's going to be a bad time tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you realize that you're using the euphemism of party. this party that is just an absolute fucking disaster. God. And has just run its course to the describe the still current state of America. I hate that we see so many similarities, and I know this this started far back, but like as far back as Marvin Gaye. Oh, absolutely. And it's sad. It is. It's really sad. 
But this one directly calls out Mr. President. Yeah. It really is that bad. Yeah. It won't just go away. Yeah. Well, then that, that whole quote that I, I read you about the the mass shootings thing, that oh, person that, that read through the lyrics and read it as like a the government turning a blind eye. I was like, ooh, boy. Well, yeah. It's terrible. It is terrible. Really, really is, and it's it's sad that it still applies this this much later. Yeah. Um, the thing that got my attention was the apple pie and Chevrolet reference, which is a reference to a commercial that Chevrolet did in 1974. Baseball hot dogs, apple pie, and Chevrolet—they all go together, I guess. I guess. So I was like, man. <laughs> which is, you know, I love these like obscure things. Right. I love when, when like, and I feel like Fat Mike does that a lot, where he, like, incorporates these weird, like, cultural phenomenon kind of things from years past into his lyrics. Mm -hmm. And this is, this is a perfect example of that. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah, good song. Major impact. Oh, absolutely. I never really liked this one, because I always felt like it was just this, like, downhill you know, end of the album. Sure. But, you know, now it's so intentional, like, how this album is placed. Yeah. And I, this is one that I have listened to as an album over and over, because I wore the CD out almost. I have it, but it's probably will play. Um, So then this goes right into the last song on the album. Scavenger Type definitely have an image here of the person yeah oh yeah because it's about a character a generic person i i called him uh bill the busker <laughs> busker bill yeah busker bill busker don't <laughs> busker do uh yeah i mean so he he needs 13 quarters in his hat which my brain couldn't do math for a minute and i was like help Listen, I have done so much like weird coin math in the elementary school math that I've done with my kid yeah. that I can do all the coin math. Yeah, so he needed he needed to get thirteen quarters in his hat. To buy his anchor steam So pint. that he could get an anchor steam pint at the bar. Uh which is, is four dollars and twenty five cents in case you also can't do math like like I can. Huh. Um, that was like minimum wage when I started with kids. Fuck. Um, um, it's a soul acoustic song on the album too. Yeah, you said that there that the place that Bill was playing was a specific place. Oh yeah, so the, the line that says "Gigging alone at the bottom of the hill," our protagonist named Bill. Um, so it sounds like a generic place, but there's also a venue in San Francisco called the bo- bottom of the hill. So I mean, he could be outside. Since it's a venue, you would think people would be more interested in music. Sure. Um, so what better place to to play outside, right? Yeah. Um, I like the part where they called him a crow, a scavenger type, because crows live on things that other people throw away. Or lives on the people who yeah. perish. <laughs> yeah. Lives on other re- remains of other people. Um, it also has a reference to like re- redemption in California, so that would be like the bottles. Yeah, where you can redeeming. redeem bottles and cans for. Which really confused me for years because they don't do that here. No. I always wondered why there was like a little picture of like Michigan and like five cents. (laughs) 
yeah, or it would say like five cents, C A M A M I, and you're like, what? Where? Where are these magical places? Oh yeah, ten cents, C A C R V. And then but my yeah. mom had explained to me that you pay extra in those places and just get the money back, and I was like, oh. Um, but yeah, so it was him basically turning in these scavenged bottles and cans. Just clap your hands. Just I wrote that in my notes. God, I was gonna say that. Get out of there. Because uh, he needed to, he needed to get enough money to buy a fifth of Soko. Yeah. Which made Is that me, what you went? Yeah. Oh, I've drank too much. I don't I think I've ever. I'm not a drinker. So. Uh, I've had too much Soko in my young life. I I don't touch that. I can't even smell it anymore. But this man needed. I'm completely it. unco. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he needs the booze to stay warm. Well, yeah, because the coins don't drop consistent as does the mercury, which basically is telling us that, you know, he doesn't make much money, but the temperature drops more. Yeah. Consistently than the amount of money that he's getting. And I mean, inevitably, ends up dying in the cold. Or supposedly dying in the cold. Okay, so like, you were talking about okay, let's talk about the the hidden chalk, but then I have a thought. Okay. So, about the album. Okay. So the hidden track is just uh, I think it's just Mike talking to Hefe. Oh yeah. Um, and he's having him do different impressions. But it's the one where he's like, oh, he's more punk than me and all the different cartoon voices. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and he's just doing a bunch. He did like Popeye and <laughs> oh, I can't even remember who all he did. Speedy Gonzalez, I think, was one of them. Oh yeah, there were there were several, uh-huh. and they're all really good. Like oh, he he can do everyone's voice. It's so weird to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I forgot about there being a hidden track until I left it on. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> and I'm just sitting up here, and I just hear like ha. So is the hidden track. I think we've talked about this before, like a lost art now, now that everything's digital. I mean, who sits there and listens to an extra three minutes? Because it was three minutes of silence, and there's your song at 529. Yeah. I I think that it's a lost, a it's lost, lost art. art, for sure. I hate when you, you get a, <clears throat> a Spotify album or whatever, and it just says untitled track. Right. It's like... Um, okay, so you talked about the potential of this being a storytelling album. Yeah. If you think about the first track being Linoleum, you know, looking for change on the beach, pockets full of change that fall to the ground because you have holes in your pockets, feels like full circle going to scavenger type at the end. An old guy just playing music. That's me, on, you know... It's me on this tree. It's me in the corner. My chin. It's me in the spotlight. Oh my god! But he's Lucy. talking about playing. It's me uh, with a violin, playing with a grin. Yeah. Singing gibberish, and at the end, there's Bill the musician, alone, trying to make money just to get by. Weird. Feels full circle. It does feel full circle. Interesting. I mean, with other like. Other things in between, <laughs> obviously, but it's like kind of starts and ends on a, a similar note. I almost wonder if this is, if this is uh, 
one of those albums that could go through the un, the yet to be patented Terry Jones. Oh my God! Backward to forward. Uh, backward to forward test. Okay, so you'd start with scavenger type. You would go to Rico. Mm-hmm. Happy guy. Okay. And then to punk guy. Yeah. Jeffrey's Birkenstocks. Lori, My- Lori Myers. About halfway through. Please, dying degree, the cross. Okay, there's a little bit of weirdness with the cross. The cross would open up for the bruise. Okay. Sure, whatever. If you took out the cross, or maybe compa- combined it with dying degree. Yeah. Yeah, perfect government, the heart is yearning, don't call me white, the cause, dig, leave it alone, linoleum. I think so. I think we might have to try this. One of these days. Yeah. So, what were the things that you made you think at first, storytelling album? Um, I feel like it just it just seems like you've got you've got it open up at the beginning. You've got this guy talking about, you know, how he's just living this this traveling musician life uh, that he doesn't need the stuff. He doesn't need a house he just needs a place to crash he just needs a couple bucks in his pocket for a beer and you know whatever like and he just wants to play his music and then it's just kind of progressively getting more into the you know potentially how the government has failed him and you know how he had a lot of family problems growing up and uh, you know, he doesn't want to be referred to as white, but he is Jewish. Yeah, I think this is a lot deeper than I ever noticed. Maybe. I could just be reading into it too much. Well, I mean, a lot of their songs, the, the tracks by themselves are storytelling tracks. I mean, Lori Myers, I was told you, I, I found an article, and I didn't get a chance to read the whole thing because it would have been uh, quite a diversion. But it was somebody comparing Mike's lyrics to, like, what makes a classic story, like the four parts. Okay. You know, <clears throat> and talking about, like, the parts of a story and how it fits in, how it sets you up with, you know, a clear character, the protagonist, the, you know, everything. Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it clearly is a storytelling thing, but, I mean, we've learned a lot of characters. Obviously, Punk Guy, who's an amalgamation of... A bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> Bill the scavenger. Well, Rico's really not a person. Rico must be the uh, the president. <laughs> Who was the president at that time? Was it Clinton? Ninety four. No, it was. was that... Um, was that an election year? No. Yes. Um, so the 94 elections were at the end of the year. So that was Bill Clinton. So before that, it would have been... George H.W. I was going to say, was that, that was a, a Bush. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering if there's any connection between, like, Rico. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm excited to hear this live. Um, I'm just excited to see them live again. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the whole concert. It's yeah. a great list of bands. Um, 
so you know I, I thought maybe it, it might be kind of fun uh, to do something we haven't done in a hot minute and uh, go into a segment that, that we like to call that's my band name <laughs> because these are probably going to be some bands that you that you don't see at Punk and Drublick mm, yes yes uh, I'll kick us off with uh, with Lactose Nightmare. <laughs> and uh, That made me think of Lactose Intolerance. Lactose. God. Lactose Intolerance, I think, is what I came up with. Yeah. You're like, well, I really don't like Lactose. Uh, then I also had uh, Grief Boner. God. That's good. You go ahead. I'm looking for my list. Uh, I had a Touch of Sorrow. Which just sounds like... That has an EFI vibe. <laughs> right. Uh, and also I had Blood Weeper. Oh. That's an interesting one. Uh, trauma Shears. <laughs> uh, ghost Dicks. Uh, the Richard Dick Connection. <laughs> I mean, I remember where that one came from. Uh, and then, of course, who could forget the Zerplatz? Oh, God. It definitely has some Aquabats vibes. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then, uh, Buttered Violence. And, uh, I'll, I'll finish off my, my partial list for now. I don't want to give them all away. Uh, with Come Hugs. Oh. But, uh, it's C-O-M-E, Hugs. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm not finding all mine right now. But right now I'm finding man-sized lobsters. Oh yeah. Which their their um album is going to be Lethal Pinchers. And then Stephen and the Man Fingers. Oh my God! It's got to be Stephen with a PH. Stephen. Stephen. And the sister band along with that is Witch Fingers. Um. I can't find any more lists. I know I've got more. Um. Did I put them in front of my podcast journal? Nope. I know I have some, but I'm, I'm pretty sure I've already covered a lot of these, so I don't want to re repeat. Alright, I'll, I'll give you guys one more. Uh, I got uh, Jackhammering Raccoon. Not sure if turned on or horrified. Right? <laughs> but yeah, we haven't done that in a while. I thought it might be fun to throw a few out there. We'll definitely... Oh, here we go. Oh, you found it? Oh, no, this is old. Ah, oh, poop. Chainsaw Chance and Truck Stop Ministry. Oh, man, Truck Stop Ministry. New Fun Glory, the Pokemon-themed band. Yes. After School Satan Club. Still one of my favorites. Zombie Flash Mob. Still one of my favorites, After School Satan Club. So after that, like, mini diversion, what would you say your favorite tracks of the album are? I just need to know. It's important. Um. Vital information. <laughs> With Laurie Beth Denberg? Yes. <laughs> um, I mean, linoleum. Right. Obviously. I mean, you can't. Ob yeah, obviously. Obviously. Uh, perfect government. Oh, yeah. The Bruce. Don't Call Me White. There's so many good ones. Yeah. I mean, like... All of those for me, and then Lori Myers. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't know why I blanked on that, but definitely Lori um, Myers. I like Jeff Wears Birkenstocks. 
Jeffrey Birkenstock sounds like someone's name. Doesn't it? Yeah. I always like Leave It Alone, too, just because... Oh, yeah, Leave It Alone's a great song. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, I, I think overall oh, this is good. just one of those albums where you could just enjoy listening to the whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I know So Long was like your first foray into NoFX, and I'm kind of glad that we did that intentionally because I feel like that was one of their best. This isn't a bad album, but it's one of their so, most famous. And I feel like there's there's different things showcased in, in either one. Yes. I feel like if you're looking at significance, importance mm -hmm. of album, Punk and Drublick is definitely a very important album. I think it came out at the right time. Um... You know, I think that it's very influential. Um, in 94, was that like... That was the year. I mean, Perfect year of music, honestly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know we've talked about it before. If you guys have never watched the documentary 1994... Oh, yeah, I forgot about God, that. God, go watch it. It's great. So good. Um, but yeah, I, um, I am a little bit more... This, is, this might be a hot take, but I am a little bit more partial to So Long. And I think that it's it's only only because it is just them a little bit more polished, mm -hmm. and also uh, they're doing some stuff on that album that is a little more outside the box than their normal. Oh yeah, um, definitely. Which I think really pushes boundaries, but. I think that this is an incredible album nonetheless, and I am definitely going to go back and revisit it more, because I enjoyed it a lot. I'm very excited about the show. Absolutely. So we, we shall see. <laughs> yeah. So that'll be next weekend. We are going to do some recap episodes yeah. when we are there. We're going to record from our hotel after day one and day two. Um just a little you know this is how the show went recaps so be on the lookout for those as well um and don't forget to check out our sponsor for the show uh w energy we may need to have some of that for next week <laughs> we might yeah god we might need some of that um w energy is uh very delicious. I recently tried the... Uh, I cannot think of what the name of it is, but it's like a blue, like a blue raspberry flavor. Yeah, you mentioned it. Uh, and it tastes like a blue raspberry slushy. It's really, really good. Um, I definitely recommend it. Uh, if you go on their website, if you do place an order, please use our promo code SIMH10. That will save you 10% off of your order which is you know great 10% is 10% you know um and as always I'd be able to save uh how many quarters 13 quarters 13 you might save 13 quarters maybe uh <laughs> as always you can find us all over social media we are on facebook instagram twitter uh at simh pod we are all over places where you can listen to your favorite podcasts, including Spotify, uh, 
Apple Music, Amazon Music, and SoundCloud if you're nasty. Um, until next time, uh, we love you guys. Uh, wash your damn hands, you nasties. Um, and we will talk to you soon. Bye!